0: Heavenly Father, we do lift up in the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you for our Lord and Savior. Thank you that in your preparations of your wisdom upon this earth, that you chose to reveal to us by faith what it is that we need to know. And We thank you that uh, you have spoken through your Son and you have revealed what it is that we need to know. Now I pray that we will receive it, we will retain it, and we will release it according to the Spirit's leading by faith into the atmosphere, into the world where the people are in desperate need. And we need your help this morning to understand our role and purpose of being Christians upon this earth. And we thank you that we will be shining lights that are going to be effective in bringing many unto your name, unto your kingdom, unto your salvation. And we bless you this morning in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What makes us unique as believers is our faith in God. Hallelujah. Having faith in God is not always recognized by the world because we worship an invisible God, or so it would seem. But in actual fact, God is not invisible. He's, in fact, very visible. And faith is the access to by which he becomes visible. And so that makes us unique because in all of our applications to know God, we have to use faith and we do use faith. That's why it baffles the wisdom of men when you and I as intellectual beings who have gone to college, studied, understood, come up from good cultures or whatever it is that our background is, that we would put our trust in an invisible God that they cannot see. But we purport to see, and we say that we know Him. So the question always arises as to how we know Him. And the answer to that is we know Him by faith. Hallelujah. That faith is not some, you know, hairy fairy thing, but it is solid, It, it it accesses God and makes Him real. And that's really powerful stuff, if you can get a hold of it, and if you can understand. That it's not something that you just take for granted. And I I see a lot of Christians take faith for granted. They don't understand the unique nature of what God has given us. So faith is much more than just achieving healing or the blessings we see. I see that going around a lot in the churches where, you know, you must have faith to access God for your healing. You must have faith to access God for your blessings and so on and so forth but they reduce faith down to a very minimal value than what it really is. So as I said, faith gives us access to God primarily for His vision on earth. What is the purpose of God creating earth and creating human beings and putting us on earth? And and what is His vision for earth? Why did He make earth? Why did He make the universe, you know? That's a big question. Why did he do that? Because even angels are asking that question. They're trying to peer into the Bible to find out what we know and they're trying to understand what we know, why God would make a universe, a world, and an earth in it that, that, that would have human beings who are so weak and, uh, and so without understanding. What is the vision of God? What is the purpose of God? <coughs> do you know why you are here? Do you know why you were made? You know, uh, you must know that. God must reveal it to you. You can't just, uh, you know, decide that this is who you are. No, you've got to have faith to go into God to find out who you are and what you are doing on earth. Like, for example, the angel turns up at Gideon's location and he says to Gideon, thou mighty man of valor," But he gives a whole uh, aspect of reasoning that actually reduces him down to an earthly being. And, and, and a useless person, from a useless family, a useless culture, weak and poor, and hiding his stuff in the caves from his enemies. And, and he has no understanding of who he really is in the sight of God. And I feel that many, many Christians today don't really understand who they are in Christ Jesus. Because they don't have the faith to believe that God would choose you and make you somebody in his vision to achieve his kingdom on earth. You know, God gives us faith to seek justice in the land, to do spiritual warfare, to work out our personal destiny, to show the wisdom of God to principalities and powers for the salvation of souls, both saved and unsaved. Right? People say, you know, when you get saved, you need more salvation. You say, how's that? I'm already saved. Well, the thing is, salvation becomes a thing that can be easily slipped out of a person, right? Because they don't pay attention to the process of salvation. Okay, and the process of salvation is the word, is the interaction with God, is, is having an encounter with God on a regular basis, and knowing what God has done for you so that you can access it. You know, salvation carries a very, very big package with it. And many, many Christians have only one little part of it. They don't have all of it because they don't have faith to access salvation. And that's why God gave the fivefold ministry to the church for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the saints, for the works of the ministry, so that the word could be taught and could be implanted or imputed into a person that they might receive faith for faith. word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when the Word of God gets into you, you get faith and you begin to understand what it is that God is saying and doing about you personally in your own salvation. And finally, faith has been given to bear the trials of your faith. Hallelujah. So let's go to 1 Peter 1.7. We're going to look at our text for the day. 1 Peter 1.7. And Peter is talking about salvation and how we are kept by the power of God in verse five and then in verse seven he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ so how are you going to bear the trials of your faith. You're going to bear it by faith. Hallelujah. That's why it's called the trials of your faith. Okay, what you believe in is tried every day, every second of the day. It's tried in every interaction you have with each other, with the world, with with the things of God that you want to know and understand. So faith is being tried every day. Hallelujah. You know, you've got an opportunity to sin or not to sin. You've got an opportunity to believe or not to believe. You've got an opportunity to walk with God in the way God is leading you or not to go that way. That is the trial of your faith. The devil will come to test it. God will come to test it. And then you need to know what it is that God has done and what the devil is doing. Okay? So to everyone, the two types of faith that I want to talk about this morning. To everyone, everyone that is saved and unsaved, Okay, a measure of faith. Hallelujah. A measure of faith. Yep. You know, sometimes I'm amazed at the testimonies of people. They just say, oh, you know, God came in and, and, and uh, you know, I, I just knew God. Uh, I just knew that there was a God from, you know, when I was a child. And, and I think to myself, so when did that measure start to work? You know, when did that, so that measure is a measure given to understand and receive salvation. That's what it is for. Okay, so every person on this earth can be saved, irrespective of what their background is, no matter what they've done in life, no matter how bad it is, you know, by the measure of faith, through the measure of faith, they can get saved. Hallelujah. This is a great evangelistic tool. A great evangelistic tool, don't go defeated to talk to someone and say, this person will never listen. No, tap the mission of faith in that person. Okay, I'm I'm starting to learn that because I see the objections, I see the, the difficulties of ministering in a dark and evil world, in a dark and evil environment. And I said, no, but God loves that person and he has given them a measure of faith. So I must be able to tap that measure of faith somehow Amen. through the word of God. Amen. Amen. Okay. And then I can grab hold of that which is within them by imputing to them the word of God. And then they hear the voice of the Lord speaking to them and they get saved. But after you become a Christian, And this is where we really want to concentrate this morning. Is after you become a Christian. Faith is added to every single person. So that you can live a just life. Hallelujah. Ask yourself. Are you living a just life? See most of us think that we are okay because we are Christians. Uh, but are we living a just life? Because it says to me that the Bible says to me, you can only live by faith. Yeah. A just life by faith. The just shall live by faith. Seems to me that in order for us to be just and to be able to live, we have to live by faith. Prepositioned into a Christian Christendom and the kingdom of God doesn't mean you will live your life by faith. I see Christians struggling because they have not accessed the rest of it by faith. They've accessed the initial entry into the kingdom of God by faith, but after that they have not been able to access the things of God by faith, and they struggle. (coughs) Everything that has to do with God has to be accessed by faith. People depend on things like dreams and visions for God to speak to them, Or some prophet to come along and say a word about them or something like that. But you know, those are the imputations of God to man. Okay, it's God initiating an imputation into your heart, into your mind, into your soul, into your circumstance, into your situation. He gives you dreams and visions. He speaks you through prophets, through the laying on of hands and all this other stuff. And, and it is God who is initiating that into your life. You didn't ask for it. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. But God gave you an answer. He came into that situation. That didn't take faith. Hallelujah. You're listening to me this morning. That did not take faith. That was God walking into your life and telling you what's going to happen. Faith, on the other hand, initiates is initiated by us to go into the presence of God and get what we need. That's the difference. We say, can I access God? Do I have the right to go into the presence of God? Oh, the Bible says, come in boldly into the throne room, when you need help, when you need mercy, when you need grace, come in boldly. He says, the veil's been torn, I've done the job, now it's up to you to enter into my presence, and and accept who I am, and receive what I've got for you. You see, he who believes that God is, can access God, but he that does not believe that God is, Cannot access God because he doesn't believe that God is, even after he becomes a Christian. So Christian becomes a label on a person and says, so like we used to fill out forms at work and, and, and in life in India, and they'll ask, What is your religion? And we'll say, Christian. Right? Well, it didn't mean anything. Because you're born in a, a garage, it doesn't make you a car. Right? Yeah. So you know, it doesn't mean anything. Faith! Faith underwrites your relationship with God. God wants to see, hey, can you access me by faith? Yeah. See, we forget that we received Him by faith, but we don't seem to know how to access Him after that by faith. He said, oh, no, no, now that I've accepted Him, the veils come back. No, that's a lie of the devil. Right? Now you start to see your sins. Now you, see, you start to see your shortcomings. Now you start to see who you really are, because the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is shining upon you, and now suddenly you become inadequate, not adequate and more than a conqueror. Because you start to see who you really are. But the idea is that you will understand who you really are so that you can access God. Hallelujah. So you don't get a big head and you start thinking that, you know, you're greater than everybody else and you're better than everybody else because God saved you in so, some sort of a marvelous way. And then, you know, you suddenly some big shot because you got saved that way or you saw Jesus or something else. No, 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 no. God wants us to access him by faith every second of the day. Right? You see, this morning's altar call did not happen out of someone's imagination. Hello, you're listening to me this morning. It was there, but it had to be accessed by faith. If you want it this morning, you have to access it by faith. A word had to be given, a song had to be sung, a group of people had to come to church. A certain kind of people needed a need, and they came out, and uh, see, there's a series of things that happened. All oh, access by faith. Now you say, oh, well, I got a prayer from Pastor Novel. I, well, he said a few things. You know, the devil come to take it out of your ear. You'll forget it long before you've gone on your holidays or gone on your trip to do anything. In fact, you'll forget it as you walk on this door, because the meals are outside waiting for you. Faith cannot be built upon unless you receive the word. What's the use of reading this Bible morning to night and not receiving a single word that this Bible tells you is real and is accessible and is able to achieve everything that God wants in your life and what you yourself want. So Jabez, right, he didn't wait for God to come and give him a dream or any of those things. He went up to God, And he said, look, I've been born a pain to my mother and she made me a pain. He said, now remove this, this, this stigma upon my name and expand me and enlarge me and keep me from evil and bless me. He acts as God. Amen. And God blessed him. Amen. The woman who, who needed justice went to the judge. And the judge is a man who did not fear God. He did not fear any man. But this woman kept pestering him and pestering him and pestering him because she did not fear the judge. She wanted justice. You want justice in your life? You want justice in this nation? You want justice in this world? You want justice for all the people who are doing bad things for, to the other bad uh, to the good people? Then you need to access God by faith and do not let Him go till He answers. It. And he said, "Well, maybe He's not going to answer me. How do you know that?" You've already predetermined who God is. So you're going to to say, he's not going to answer me. But his ears are always attentive to the prayers of his children. Amen. Always. (coughs) Somewhere along the way, the devil gets in, your own thoughts get in, your training gets in, your education gets in, your circumstances in life get in, your eyes, your senses get in, and you, you, you lose the beauty of holiness and righteousness and the power of god daniel prayed and prayed and prayed 21 days he didn't know there was a warfare going on maybe he did It doesn't tell me in the bible he knew but he prayed he prayed according to the word he said no i'm going to access god i'm going to access his mercy for israel and i'm going to pray right he kept praying till he got it and the whole chapter of hebrews 11 Tell us about faith and the kind of people who access God for all sorts of things in their lives. And and they operated in faith for it. And they got it. Amazing stories. Go and read Hebrews 11. Amazing stories. Of what man went through because he believed in God. They lost their lives. They were cut in half. They were thrown to the lions. They were beaten black and blue, whipped, murdered, raped, burned to the stake, done all sorts of things because of their faith, because they believed in an invisible God. Why do they hate us so much? Why do they hate us so much? Because there are demons, principalities and powers that are motivating people to destroy us because we believe in God. Because they want to get to God's heart. They want to in some way, you know, diminish God upon this earth that He created. Because they can't do it in heaven. So we're the targets. Right? The Bible says you have not because you ask not. And when we ask, we put it upon we ask to put it upon our lusts. What can be the greatest thing that you can ask God? In any situation you face in life, whether it be uh, some sort of financial problem, or some sickness, or some, uh, you know, divorce situation, or your house is burned down, you've lost everything, you know, you're you getting uh, nowhere in life, and you, you can't get a job, uh, you know, whatever the situation is, what is the greatest thing that you can ask God At a time like that, that your faith says to you that you need to ask God for that. Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. What else? Help. Help Help. in time of need. Presence. Pardon? Presence. 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 His presence. His presence. Wow. You need all of those things. You can ask for anything you want. What did Jesus ask? His will. His will. But before he asked and understood the will of God, what did he ask for himself? Let this cup come from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done, not my will. So he understood the answer already before he asked the question. It's not your will. It's not what you purpose to do in life that is important. Your faith should access God to find out His purpose for you in life. You say, God, give me this thing, otherwise i die. And he says, well, okay, die. <laughs> so you, 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 you've got to be careful how you talk to God. Because sometimes he'll give you the what you ask him for, and even though you don't want that answer, it comes. But that's not faith. I said to God, God, I'm in this desperate situation, okay? I, I, and I am broken, I'm destroyed. I, I'm, I don't know how to get out of it. But let your will be done. And how do I know his will? Because the Holy Spirit speaks to me And he takes me to the Word, and and he shows me in the Word where I have the answer for my problem. And he's saying, no, it's not right. He's asking me to wait. He's asking me to look the other way, to forgive or to forget. and, And I can't do that. but that's the answer of God where is your faith that that is the answer of God because your your senses are telling you no, I need something materialistic it must manifest for me now (coughs) but that's the answer of God and your faith tells you that that's the answer of God Faith holds the key to accessing God at any given moment in life. It says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And look, or be rewarded. Hebrews 11.6, you cannot please God and you cannot get a reward because you don't have faith. So he's a God of reward. So if I'm going to do something for the kingdom of God by faith, I am expecting a reward. A farmer does not grow out and sow his seed in the land, not expecting a harvest. Exactly. He won't be a farmer; he'll be an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we need to understand that when we say we have faith, and that we are actually people come and ask, used to ask me, how do you live? I said, I live by faith. They say you're mad. I said, why? I said, because you live by the salary of man and I live by faith. That because you have something tangible and I don't, in your eyes, in your opinion. I said, my faith is more tangible than the money you have in the bank. And that's the truth of it. My faith is more tangible than the money you have in the bank. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe how God could provide tens of thousands of dollars, you know, and put you in a place of position and power. Joseph didn't have anything. He was accused, uh, uh, molested, or whatever else happened to that poor fellow. But God had already given him a dream. He had to access the dream by faith. That was his only point of contact. With God was that dream because everything else in the natural was going wrong. And then he got into a position of power, wealth and favor and blessing that he could become the forerunner for Israel to become a nation in Egypt. Wow, what a destiny. The man's faith. To believe that what God had said was going to come to pass. He didn't know how. It got worse and worse and worse and worse. Maybe we have to come to the very bottom of our lives before God will answer. Before God will promote, before God will provide, before God will give. And he said, let me see. Let me see. Get rid of that last victory before we want to. Then I will bless you. And you're trying to accumulate and accumulate so that you are in some way backed up. But you know, your only backing in life, your only backing in life is faith every day every moment of the day faith in god faith in his word faith in what he will do so there are two trials of faith that i want to talk to you about we need to understand that even more in the last days because of the nature of the times we live in the trial of our faith by god okay let's go to hebrews 11:17 hebrews 11:17 You say, what? Does God try me? He said, of course He does. What person will make a product and not try the product before he puts it out in the market? I think you might, some of you might be wanting to do ministry or get ahead in ministry. But you find that you are being tested and tried so many times in so many different ways that you don't understand what's going on (coughs) and you're thinking God, all I want to do is serve you and He says, yeah, but you're not ready, man. So how many years do I have to wait for it to happen? Oh, well, let's see, I don't know. One day is a thousand years with me and a thousand years (laughs) is one day with me. So you wait as long as I want you to wait till I know that you are ready To be able to handle the thing that I give you. Because if if I give it to you before that, you will blow up. So the product is tested. He says, I take you out into the wilderness to prove you What, what, what he didn't know already. He says to Abraham, when he's about to kill his son Isaac, he says, now I know that you fear me. Ooh. What happened all these years? I followed you, Lord. I went out into the wilderness on your word. I left my family and I took my family and went out there and I walked in the wilderness. He said, Do You mean to say I didn't exercise my faith? No, sir. I'm talking about now coming into the blessings that I would bless you the unlimited blessings. I'm proving you to see if you can handle a million dollars. Because you might not be able to handle a million dollars. I'm proving you to see if I can give you a church and you can take care of the church. I'm proving to see if I give you a ministry, whether you will do the ministry. I'm proving to see whether if I give you something that is of worth from heaven. Because it is holy, because it is righteous, because it is godly. I'm going to give you something that is of my own DNA, of my own being. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I want to see if you can handle it. oh, yeah, i got baptized in the Spirit, and I'm speaking in tongues, you know, I'm going to do all this sort of stuff, and, you know, I'm casting demons out, and, you know, three years down the track, four years down the track, of after seeing signs and wonders, you start collecting money, you start touching the women up, or you do something else, or you go and get yourself into some false doctrine or wrong doctrines, and then, then bang, you've just destroyed and defiled, and defiled the Holy Spirit. So where do you find that in the Bible? In Galatians chapter 3. The product has to be proved. The product has to be proved. Otherwise it's good for nothing. It's for the dumb heap. Have a look at Hebrews 11, 17. What does it say? By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. You know, when you come to relationships in the blood, it's very hard. It's very hard to correct a child or to correct your husband or your wife or to come to a place where God says, okay, now give this up. to me. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Somebody rang me up the other day and said, I've gone through this horrible situation in my life. Shared part of it. I listened to it. And I said, I want to tell you the truth.
1: I said, the person you're
0: talking about is as much a victim as you are. The person you're talking about is as much a victim as you are. Can you handle that? But I have been wrong, says this person. I know. But you were wrong because that person was a victim. Not because they did it out of a deliberate nature and understanding. So what do I do now? I said accept the fact that it has happened. Start with that. Don't don't question God. Why did it happen? Uh, Where did I go wrong? No. Start with I accept the reality of my situation at this very given moment. And with it goes out all the hurts and all the things that you said that person did to you, it goes out the window. Amen. The moment you accept that, because now you're walking to maturity, you've just plucked a fruit off the tree of the vine of Jesus, and now you're eating that fruit called faith. And you are saying, I accept. That God is still with me. He is still with me. I said God is still with you. God still loves you. God still wants to restore you. God still wants to lift you up. God still wants to make you strong. In all of your difficulty and situations that you face. But first get rid of blame. I love what Anoja said today. Jesus' blood dealt with the past, present and future. It's gone, man. It's gone. The past is gone. The future is bright. You say, but I've lost everything. No, you haven't lost everything. You have not lost Jesus. Don't lose Jesus. Okay, whatever you do, don't lose Jesus. Then you've lost everything. Okay? When you've lost Jesus, you've lost everything. Don't lose Jesus. Because Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, is his word to you. But he cannot force you to follow him, except he gives you the understanding of faith. So God tested Abraham to see if he would release this son of promise. The first time I got an opportunity to preach, man, it was—you know—I had a lust for preaching more than anything else. I said, "Wow, I've got this opportunity to preach. I'm going to treasure this." And I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and say, "Go and give it back." I said, "What?" He said, "Go and give it back to the guy who offered it." To So I went back and I told the guy, I can't preach, I'm handing it back to you. And the guy said, no, I confirm this to you, you're going to preach. And then the Lord said, now receive it. (coughs) Why? Because God wanted to know, if I will hand over that thing that was the closest thing to my heart. Maybe you have something you've not given up. Some bad habit, some attitude, something that you are still plugging away in your mind you should have and you're working to get it in some way but god is saying give it up give it up forsake your thoughts hand it over to me abraham had to forsake the promise of god he had to forsake the leaving of his home, he had to forsake the years that he spent in the wilderness, he had to forsake everything because he, said, he says in the Bible that he knew that he knew that his God could raise Isaac from the dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can he raise you out of the dead? Can he make your situation better than what it was before? Of course he can. But he's waiting for you to access it by faith. That his goodness is by faith. His love is by faith. His mercy is by faith. Everything is by faith. You cannot have it unless you access it by faith. God was testing Abraham to see if this product is what is what it's what he said out here. He started out to say he said yes, and he left his family. Yeah, but five years down the track, this guy will he still believe in, believe in me if I leave him in the wilderness? What is your earthly life got to do with your spiritual life? That's the question God is asking. What is your earthly life got to do with your spiritual life? Is what God wants to know. And the whole time we're hammering God about our earthly life. When he says, Come on, wake up, I've given you something in the realm of the spirit. The moment you access that by faith in the Spirit, the whole earth is taken care of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. So what does your faith in God do? It takes care of everything in the natural. Takes care of everything in the natural. But the devil, on the other hand doesn't want us to prosper. He wants to destroy us. Come with me to 1 Timothy, chapter 1. 1 Timothy, chapter 1. 18 to 20. This charge I commit unto you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, having made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Wow. There are a couple of things here we need to look at One is that this guy had prophecies over his life, okay? Something about his destiny, about his character, about his purpose in life, it was prophesied. He said, now, you're gonna do a good warfare out of that. See, why are you in warfare? Because something was spoken over your life that the devil wants to take away. That's why you're in warfare. You don't know, suddenly from somewhere a curveball comes and then suddenly your marriage is broken. Suddenly something else happens, you know, your house burns down, or you lose your job, or you run out of money, or, and you're thinking, oh God, I'm following you, you know, what's going on? You know, I'm just an ordinary Joe Blow, I'm going to Gallery assembly, and you know, I'm doing all the right things, and then this thing happens. See, yeah, but you never paid attention to the word I spoke over your life. That's what the devil's after. He's not after your money. He doesn't need your money. He's a spiritual being. Hello? You're listening to me this morning? If you get this, you'll get why you are in warfare. Because he's a spiritual being wanting to kill a spiritual being. That's you and me. He's fighting us in the spirit. But He's taking away the things that are there in the natural for us because He knows that we are in the flesh and how much we love the things of the flesh. you got to call on your life? Oh, no, I'm just this old person sitting in the church. No, you're not. You're a threat to the kingdom of the devil. There's a prophecy over your life. There's a prayer that's going up from your mouth that's going to change something in the heavenlies and He's worried about it. Instead of looking at how the pastor is doing, why don't you look at how you're doing? Mm -hmm. The devil is interested in destroying us. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy. He said, look, Hymenius made a shipwreck of his faith. That is to take something that God has given you. Your own vessel, your own body is your ship. Right? To take your own body and defile it and to break it, to go and chase after the world and the worldly things is to destroy your own ship. To destroy your own faith. He said, but God, what happened? You know, I woke up one day and suddenly I no longer love you. I no longer feel any presence. I no longer feel like reading the Bible. I no longer want to do this. I no longer want to go to church. I no longer like anything that has to do with life. I think I've had it. I think I want to jump off the ship. And he says, if you do that, you're going to die. Paul was traveling on a ship with all the prisoners, he was a prisoner himself he was going to Rome on a prophecy that God had told him, Jesus appeared to him in Acts 23 11 and said you're going to Rome son and he wasn't changed he didn't know what was going to happen but it happened and he's on a ship with all sorts of prisoners and then the storm comes and wants to destroy the ship and and, and uh, uh, Paul says, that tells the centurion if you, if you release these people and they jump into the water they will all die don't let them jump into the water don't get off the ship that is your faith, even if it is hanging by a thread. Ah! Even if it is hanging by a thread. Jesus never breaks a Bruce Reed and he never quenches a smoking flax. So the thread is good. The thread is good people won't understand you but the thread is good I remember having a shower one day and I was so desperate and I was broken, I was destroyed I I just had enough and I said to the Lord I don't care what goes on Lord I don't care what goes on around me I said I'm going to hold on to your skirt and you're going to have to drag me to heaven you're going to have to drag you know the world is going to get a thousand times worse than what it is now. Mm. Mm. Yes. Your faith is going to be tested. Yes. Your faith is going to be
1: tested. It already has
0: destroyed many hundreds of thousands of so-called Christians who have gone back into the world. People are believing all sorts of <laughs> weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Yesterday, a person told me that they that in, a, in his workplace, that they believe in a, in a flying spaghetti monster god. Okay. Hey, what's that? I've never heard of that in my life. A flying spaghetti monster god. And they have a following. Here, in Australia, in the Southwest Corridor. <laughs> That's their faith. That's their faith. Hello. You, you know, the, 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 the people of the religions of this world, Believe in your gods. The, the, the moment stopped me on the road, it said, I want to talk to you, it said, listen, mate, this is where it's at. I'm a pastor. What you believe is wrong. I'm sorry. You know, I love you guys, but see you around. Bye. You're not going to affect my faith. You're not going to try and infiltrate my faith. You're not going to try and shipwreck me with my faith. Because my faith is built upon what Jesus told me, what I have encountered, what I continue to encounter on a daily basis. Every morning, every day, every second of the day, I encounter and engage my Jesus to keep my faith strong and build upon it. So let's finish up with a few words on why the trials come. One is it to separate the sheep from the goats and the weak from the strong. To produce something more precious than existing preciousness. When people tell you, you know, from the pulpit, you're precious, don't believe them, okay? Because you're not yet precious as in the preciousness of God, so your faith has been found. Okay? The death of the saints are precious in the sight of God. So when you die, you become precious. (laughs) People try to lift you up by telling you you're precious. But when the trial comes, you're not so precious. Because it has just taken off that preciousness. When it has destroyed you and put you in a place where you're no longer precious in the sight of your neighbor, in the sight of your family, you're no longer precious in the sight of whoever. They don't care for you anymore. The preciousness is lost because you're going through a trial. You're going through a situation. But they don't understand that God is trying to produce something more precious in you than gold. The other reason this process is the existing preciousness, preciousness is changing us from glory to glory. Amen. Taking us out of where we are into the image of Jesus Christ and then in the image of Jesus Christ Fulfilling us till we come to the full stature. The full stature. Yes, I have something of Jesus Christ, but I don't have a full stature of Jesus Christ. That means I'm not yet exemplifying and doing everything exactly like how Jesus does. So He's building me up. He's making me more precious. He says, how does it happen? Through trials. It says that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Now, why, why must I suffer, Lord, to learn obedience? so I don't like the suffering. No, but I don't like your disobedience," says the Lord. So you will suffer. You know, you really got to get start getting desperate. Don't be satisfied where you are don't be satisfied where you are. <clears throat> start making your spiritual walk desperate. say God if you don't bless me I'll die that's a good a prayer to be more spiritual to to have your presence. if you don't go with me I'm not going. how, is, how do you like that prayer? Huh? if you don't go with me I'm not going. I one day said to the Lord, I've downed my tools, I'm not going to serve you anymore. After eight years of serving the Lord. I said, that's it. I'm not serving you anymore. Till I hear from you. It didn't even take a day, I heard from him alright. Right? Right? Because times get desperate. Trials bring desperate moments in our lives. We don't know what's going on. How do I get out of this situation? Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it me? Is what's going on? And then, you know, God has to speak into that situation. And Paul puts it this way. He said, all these things happen to me for the furtherance of the gospel. <coughs> so why are you going through a trial in your life? So that the gospel can be spread. So the gospel can go out. Then it says, to prove and humble you and to tell you that man does not live by bread alone, Deuteronomy 8.3. It's called the wilderness testing. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, is that the devil? That's the devil. No, that's not the devil, that's the Lord. Oh, why would the Lord do that? He's a good God, you know. I've been told by so many good preachers that God is a good God. He will never do that to me. Well, if that's what you believe, then that's what you believe. And that's your faith. (coughs) Well, Did Israel say, God would never do that to me? They were in the middle of the wilderness. God was doing it to them. You know, you're in the middle of a wilderness and you say, Oh, God's not doing it to me. Hang on a second. You are there, man. Wake up. Right? It's got to be either you, the devil, or the Lord. You've got to find out why. Uh, most people fold up, fall to the ground, and say, That's it, I want to end this whole thing right now. God's not interested in that. God's interested in, He says, If you quit, He said, Your strength is small. You know, it says of oh, Jesus, He set His face as flint. He set His face as flint. What does it mean? He was a granite rock, you couldn't move Him. Ah, Oh, Peter said, you're not going to the road, to the cross. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Are you going to say that? Are you going to say that? And the Lord says, give up your job and follow me. And somebody comes along and says, But brother, you know, if you give up your job, what will your family do? What will your daughter do? What will your son do? How do you pay the bills? Blah, 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 blah. The devil talking. The devil talking. How many of you have been asked to go to the next level in your ministry, in your faith, in your understanding of God, and you don't go because somebody comes along and says, you don't need to do that? Jesus said his face as flipped. Jesus said his face as flipped. He was going to do the will of the Father and nobody was going to stop him. Nobody was going to stop him. In Hebrews 11, 33 and 34, it says to show God's strength in your weakness. That's why the trials of your faith. God, I've got a thorn in my side. You know, it's bugging me. She's my wife, but I hate her. And blah, blah, blah. They say, hang on a second, man. You were the one who prayed 90 to the dozen all night long for this wife. Now you've got to keep up. But she's a thorn in my flesh. Yeah, you're a thorn in my flesh. Though I'm spirit. You haven't done the things that you're supposed to do that I told you. You're a real thorn. You're a disobedient child. Then it says in Ephesians 3, 7-11 to make all men know the mystery of the fellowship of God that we have. Why does God want to fellowship with us? You know, it's a mystery. Why God wants to sit down with us and talk to us and engage us and and say, hey, how are you going, mate? What's happening in your life? And and immediately you're thinking, maybe I can ask him something now and he'll Mm -hmm. give it to me. No, he just wants to fellowship. He just wants to talk. He wants to have a chat. See how you're going you're trying to get really super spiritual with him, and you think oh, now I must kneel down, I must bow down, I must, you know, flatten myself, and all this sort of stuff. No, he's just sitting there having a chat. And a guy was sitting and reading his Bible, you know, he's an evangelical type of person, and Jesus walks into the room and sits down no, on his sofa side, and this guy goes berserk. He doesn't know what to do because he <laughs> knows it's Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, so what are you reading? He says, I'm reading the, the, the Bible, Lord. And he says, what do you think about my church in Acts? He said, you got any thoughts on that? And of course, he didn't have any thoughts. He couldn't, couldn't speak. He said, I want you to start a house church. He said, I'm going to give you the understanding of house churches, and I want you to start a house church. He said, I have no idea what is blah, blah, blah. And the Lord said, sir, that man planted 1,500 house churches. 1,500 house churches all over the world. And miracle signs and wonders, angelic visitations began to happen. Faith. Out of fellowship. I'm not sitting in a room and talking to the air. I'm sitting in a room and talking to my God. Hallelujah. And, I, and maybe there are times of reverence and there are, maybe there are times of worship and maybe there are times you have to read about but there's a time of fellowship when simple fellowship takes place between you and God. And out of it comes the incredible things of God. To show God's wisdom to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. You see, when a trial is happening on you, okay, that is from God, the devil gets in. Now, one of the things that he said in Israel, he said, when my people were weak, you as a nation came in and kicked them while they were down. And because you did that, okay, no other reason, not because they worshipped other gods or anything like that, but because you touched my apple of my eye, While they were down, not while they were up, while they were down, I'm going to destroy you. And that nation got wiped out. Don't touch God's people when they're down. Don't touch them anytime, but especially when they're down. That's the time to lift them up. right? That's the time to help them. It, it's a hard lesson because you may not like that person invariably you may not like that person and that's God's doing as well because he puts you in that position I got that lady who called me to pray for her husband and say, I forgive my husband for all the things he did to me I said don't put him down he's a victim I had to learn that lesson. Believe me, I didn't like it. Boy, I didn't like it because I'm used to the baseball bat. But, you know, God said, no, forgive. That's my creation. That's my creation. Don't put it down. So then the devil gets in on that and he says, oh, now I've got you down. I'm going to kick you somewhere. Never give your hand to the devil to take you out of your situation because he will just grab your hand and kick you somewhere. Okay? Don't do that. He will tell you lies. That's how he does it. You need faith to believe that when you're down, the next place up is up. And God will come and lift you up of the horrible pit that you are in. Have faith. Believe. Believe that you know through the wisdom of god when joseph was in the pit he got pulled out of the pit then he got put in the prison right so he went from the pit to the prison to the palace how does that work everybody that ah he's finished yeah, you know, he's a useless fellow he's gone <laughs> but he received the highest position that one could have And God's waiting to bless you. God's waiting to lift you out of your situation and bring you to a place. Finally, to activate the prophetic in your life. Hebrews 6.12. To activate the prophetic. What is the prophetic in your life? Do you even know that you have a prophetic in your life? Have you even stopped to consider whether God has said something about you that he wants you to become? Because that's the prophetic in your life. Right? Right? And you need to understand that there are steps to the prophetic, that there's a process to the prophetic, there's a warfare with the prophetic, there's an understanding of the prophetic, there's a waiting in the prophetic, there's a there's a there's a great reward that, that comes out of the prophetic, and everything is prophetic from Genesis to Revelation, and you've got to understand that, and you've got to receive it, and you've got to say, No, I'm a prophesied child. God chose me. I did not choose me, choose God, God chose me. Right? the moment you choose yourself and say I'll become a pastor, I'll become a worship leader, I'll become a this, I'll become a that, the moment you do that you are not chosen because you've just chosen yourself no let God choose you then the prophetic will start coming out in your life, and then you will see the glory and the power and the majesty, and then when you take up your position and you believe in it that this is where God wants you It's done. The end days of testing of our faith is going to be more severe than you think. It'll be a wonder if we get through it. Believe me. It'll be a wonder if we get through it. The things that are happening out there is beyond imagination. Let's go to Psalm 27 and verse 13. As we finish... You know how preachers like to say that often, and never do. Psalm 27 and verse 30. And the Word of God says, I had fainted unless I had believed, to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted unless I had believed, that is to have faith, to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the A time came in my life where I had not seen the goodness of God. And it was for years and years and years from when I was born. And nothing went right, nothing went right at all. I had not seen the goodness of God. I'd become a Christian and uh, had so many supernatural encounters, all that sort of stuff, but I had not seen the goodness of God. Or so I thought. I didn't understand what the goodness of God is. But yet I had not fainted. Yet I was not destroyed. Yet I was not given to the devil. Yet I had not lost my faith. Something was going on in the supernatural that I didn't know. That God was looking after me. In spite of my stupidity and my unbelief and my ridiculous thinking, and, and he was saying, No, yeah, you, you just go on thinking like that. I'm going to fix it one day. And one day I was in Singapore, and blaming God, lagging to the dust. I said, I've had it. You're not a good God. Right? You had the opportunity to fix all the problems and you didn't fix it. You can't be good. Three weeks. In three weeks, he lovingly spoke to me as my father. Lovingly. It all through my blame and my tears, my anger and my frustration, and I knew I was at the end of my rope. I wasn't going anywhere after this. He spoke to me for three weeks as my loving father. And convinced me. (laughs) He's a good negotiator. He convinced me at the end of three weeks, that He is a good God. Amen. That when I left Singapore, I said to myself, if He takes a baby and microwaves it, I will still say He is a good God. You see, people are blaming God for their situation. Secretly. in In their subconscious. The world is blaming If your God is good, why didn't He do this? If your God was so great, why didn't He just come down from the cross and save everybody? If your God is good, why is there famine? Why is the baby getting wiped away with them? And why is this person dying? Why is that happening? And why is the war? Why is the poverty? Why is all this? You know, God can't be, can't be real. He can't be good. And that's a devil lying to us to say that God is not good. And this man, the psalmist is saying, I would have, what? Fainted. Meaning, if I had not known the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is, when you see the hand of God in your life, when you see the hand of God in someone else's life, that's the land of the living. We are all living in the land of the living. Let us see the goodness of God. I see the goodness of God to Calvary Assembly. I see the goodness of God in your lives when you come and tell me all your problems. I see the goodness of God. Because the trials of our faith is going to produce something more precious than And he said, why am I going through this? For that reason. And for all the reasons I gave you. That you can be a minister of God, of his goodness, of his power, of his glory, of his majesty, of all that he is, that he has said he is, and is revealing through you and me. Whether anybody believes it or not, that's not the point. The point is you know. Right? And that's what faith is about. So let's trust God. Shall we pray? Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the love that you have revealed in your son Jesus. And for the Holy Ghost that has been shed abroad in our hearts, revealing Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, the word of God is alive and well in our hearts. Thank you that no matter what else goes on in the world, that your hand is upon us. And we see you in this land, doing good. For your ways are good. And your blessings are good. And everything you give us is good. Bless your people this morning. With the goodness of God. To bring us to repentance. That we might see your glory. And your majesty. Thank you. Thank you for what you are doing with us. Bless us as we. Fellowship. And eat our food. Sanctify it by your word. We give thanks in Jesus name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning. If you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if there's some other need that you have, we want to see you and we want to.